Hello, and welcome to In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment and pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Duboff, Vanity Fair's senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair's senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week, from the Kardashians to Kate Middleton and everything in between. So this episode is already from the get-go. I have to bounce back from my minor depression that we're not in the same location as we were last week when we were both in Los Angeles. Uh, but we will do our best to keep the, uh, you know, the united spirit alive. There's a lot to discuss this week. We have a kind of great royal rivalry to break into with some characters we don't always discuss. Uh, and we also have a kind of curious, uh, very G-rated item to talk about related to Meghan Markle. We are also going to discuss Beyonce's birthday, which was on Tuesday and is not yet a national holiday. And just as a reminder, uh, we have a hotline now if anyone wants to call in with intel about Tom Markle, Samantha Markle whereabouts. That number is 347-790-0966. Yes, it's been very fun to hear you guys, hear the voices, I feel. It's been a whole different, it's a whole different dimension. Uh, (laughs) It's been great. Before we get into uh, our items for this week, I feel like we have to, we owe it to everyone to talk about our Sushi Park outing, uh, which we, we went to Sushi Park after we recorded last week. And I guess we really had no, we had no sightings, um, <laughs> which is, I feel like almost like i depressed having to kind of talk about this. I blame myself because I made a slightly earlier reservation. It was at six. If you guys haven't been to Sushi Park yet, they are very efficient with their service in that they just immediately try to get you out of there as fast as possible which meant that Josh and I, I think, ordered about $300 in sushi. We just kept adding on additional plates because we, we were, were not desperately... We just kept adding the random sushi rolls because of last time when we got the kind of... I mean, I think it was just so great last time with Leo, Chris Martin, Jay-Z all on one place. And I feel as though we weren't going to leave until we saw a celebrity. Um, Oh, the closest we did come before we went to Sushi Park, we had a drink elsewhere where uh, Eunice, Kourtney Kardashian's on and off younger boyfriend did walk in. Our other coworker noticed him. And also apparently a spy kid who is engaged to Megan Trainer, uh, Daryl, I think is his first name. Uh, was, was eating. Julie was not aware of the spy kid, but uh, he was sitting back to back with me, very close. Megan Trainer was not present, but I mean, Megan Trainer and a Courtney Kardashian sometime boyfriend do not hold a candle to our previous sightings. <laughs> so it wasn't quite the same, but you can't have it every time, I guess. That's right. That's right. Just next time will be better, no matter who it is. Um. All right. So let's talk about. I love the drama of this header, the Cold War between Prince Charles and his sons, Prince William and Prince Harry. So I think this is one of the first royal items, Julie, that we're going to talk about that does not involve Kate Middleton or Meghan Markle whatsoever. They're not involved, which I kind of love. This is about the less talked about kind of A-list royals. Uh, I know. Charles is never on our list. No. I feel like this is one of the first times we've broken into anything related to him. Maybe he, like his publicist, like he hires some personal publicists to get his name out there a little bit. Because I feel like this is the most uh, kind of airtime he's going to get. 
But the Daily Beast ran a big story over the weekend about the Cold War uh, brewing between uh, the kind of three of them. And I felt like the headline made me, you know, feel like, oh, this is going to be wild. And the story actually delivered. It had a lot of anonymous sourcing. It had a lot of different examples. By the end of it, I was convinced that these boys want nothing to do with their father and vice versa. (laughs) Um, And I kind of, I guess, like the gist of it basically is that the relationship between William, Harry and Charles is strained and they have an anonymous quote that says they're very different people and they just don't get on. It's as simple as that. They rarely see each other outside of official business, which, you know, at first I was like, okay, you know, they obviously see each other a lot of these different events they go to, uh, you know, it doesn't sound that, you know, you know, like who knows how legitimate this is, but then it gets only kind of more intense from there because then the source adds that Charles hates, hates in quotes, that's not our word, William and Harry's public emoting, which has seen them discuss in heartbreaking detail the psychological troubles they endured following the loss of their mother as part of their efforts to reduce the stigma around discussing mental health issues. Julie, how does this track to you? Do you see this being potentially true? Does it does it does it strike any chord with you? This does track with me because I've read by not like I'm any kind of expert, but from the biographies I've read about Charles and Elizabeth, mm. they both really did not like Diana's just warmth, the warmth that she projected and that kind of star quality, that accessibility she had that William and Harry seem to have that Charles absolutely does not have. It's just something you're born with or you're not. And I think he resented with Diana that that came so easily to her. So I can see him kind of resenting that with William and Harry. The kind of openness and the popularity they have, right. Right, and he has just worked for how many years since he was probably 18 at trying to be liked and accepted by the Commonwealth and then to have William and Harry younger than him kind of leapfrog him in popularity, I would imagine yeah, be a little hurtful. It actually reminded me of um, the play, I feel like we might have talked about this before in an episode, but I saw it was on Broadway a few a year ago maybe, King Charles III, but it's about the hypothetical world in which Charles becomes king but abdicates the throne so that William becomes the next in line because he they like decide somehow that like he's going to be more popular and do more for the monarchy and i feel as if this to me somehow is like playing into those tropes of that like somehow William and the fact that William and Harry and Kate and Meghan are so popular just kind of rankles him, which I could totally see. It just feels right somehow. Um, right. And then I, so then this other, so this actually ties in well to the other details the Daily Beast report had, which say that the different, more informal way of doing things beloved by the younger royals is another cause of irritation to Charles, who considers it inappropriate. For instance, William, Kate, Meghan, and Harry all call staff by their first names, a studied rejection of Charles's high-handed interpersonal communication style. And then, Julie, in my favorite detail, Harry regularly (laughs) brings in coffee from Starbucks to his staff at Kensington Palace. One insider previously told the Daily Beast, popping out to the street in just a baseball cap pulled low for disguise. Um, We need a minute. (laughs) 
<laughs> this this is also reminding me of when Megan used to go to Whole Foods and we always wondered what kind of interactions she must have with employees. But what I need to know, our hotline was made purely for this purpose. If you worked <laughs> at a Starbucks where Prince Harry came in wearing a low slung baseball cap and a fake name, please call us because I need to please. know a what do you think he uses his name? Do you think he uses a different name for his order? I think he uses his name. I think he knows the names of the baristas and that it's just a charming It's like, hey, man, hey, man. And and they're never going to talk about it because he's such a good guy and so nice to them and tips well or something. He tips so well. Mm -hmm. But I I still have a hard time believing this because the royals for the longest time didn't even carry cash. I don't think Charles ever has carried cash. So I still am very skeptical, but I would love proof. I would love anyone's just even ideas of what he orders. What do you think Harry's order is? I mean, also, I'm imagining him coming in. You know, sometimes you'll be at Starbucks and there'll be like some assistant in front of you who's filling up a tray with eight different iced coffees for like her whole office. I'm imagining Harry trying to juggle like three different, you know, trays of Frappuccinos and things. And that it's hard for me to picture. Um, it's really, really hard. Right. Does he get one of those cartons for the full I don't, office? I feel like maybe this is one of those like telephone style things where like maybe he did, maybe he once did this and it kind of got built into legend or he sends his assistant to go get it for everyone and it's gone and kind of associated with him doing it himself. There's or no way right. he does it, right? No, or like some Starbucks branding specialist is really yeah. angling for a promotion, so he planted this. I item. know, I and I do that. feel like I my eyebrows raised a little because I feel like the fact that they use the name Starbucks in here instead of just brings in coffee for his staff, it seems like a spawn con mention or something. Right, but the, I think there were reports a few years back before Kate and William had kids where Kate would go to the local Starbucks. That was kind of her escape. She would get some sort of latte. The Starbucks? Like, Starbucks is really working the royal. I mean, <laughs> I feel like it's giving a whole new like vibe to Starbucks in my head. Also, Charles feels like they aren't working hard enough, the younger generation of royals. Uh, the writer Christopher Anderson told the Daily Beast that tension has been brewing because of disagreements about William and Kate's work schedule. William loves his father and is tremendously loyal to him. From the beginning, he has said he's his own man and hates being told what to do. So whenever he's pressured by Charles's aides at the palace to take on some royal assignment he isn't interested in, William complains bitterly, which I feel like is a classic millennial parent of millennial divide. Because <laughs> I could see having this <laughs> argument with my parents if I was a prince and my dad was another prince. Um, but... I don't know. I, I feel like this Daily Beast report was pretty damning, but it kind of felt it was very well sourced. And I feel as if it clearly, well, so clearly it bothered the palace because they did not give a comment to the Daily Beast. They, I guess the writer at the end notes that they they sent a daily detailed email to the palace and it was not responded to. But then strangely, the Daily Express, a British paper, this is kind of convoluted because they summarized, I guess, the Daily Beast report and asked the palace for comment. And the palace did respond and said that this whole story about Charles, William, and Harry's friction is complete fiction. Now, I find this so strange. I'm sure, do you, I mean, the fact that they never commented on any of the Thomas Markle drama, they never comment on anything. And then this is where they decided to say that it's complete fiction and come down. Like, what is going on there? 
Right. I, I can really see this, though, because William has been so private with his family life. Charles grew up. This was the only way of life he knew. His right. mom worked so hard. He was out there every day of the week. But after Diana died, William almost resented this role, resented the paparazzi, and was just very conscious to keep his kids away from that. I can see Charles bristling at this. But conspiracy theory, Josh... What if someone inside the palace was just so desperate to turn attention away from Thomas and Samantha that they generated this feud? Oh, I like that. Like, if anything, this kind of gives Charles an edge to me. Yeah, like suddenly he's like an interesting, provocative figure (laughs) in the drama. And uh, that actually reminds me of this strategy um, someone was mentioning, or maybe I saw it on Twitter today, but like Kim Kardashian went to the White House today. And someone was like, oh, maybe that's because like all the rumors about Kim Kardashian and Drake that were bubbling up over the weekend and the theory about a rumored affair that Kris Jenner was like, Kim, you're going to the White House. We need a new <laughs> we need a new narrative to distract everyone. Maybe this is like the royal version of that. Maybe Megan came up with this idea. Right. And remember, a few, few weeks back, there was uh, reports of a different rivalry between Kate and Megan just because a the queen so enjoyed Megan's hardworking yeah. ethic, work ethic, whereas Kate is kind of hidden away in a tower with the kids. I'm into this conspiracy. I, I don't know if we should call it conspiracy theory, but I'm into this theory that somehow the palace wants to fuel this because this is a classic example. We've talked about this a million times in different scenarios where I feel like the, the fact that the palace actually did comment gives us so much more attention. I feel as though we wouldn't even have been aware of this story necessarily if it had just been the Daily Beast report. But the fact that they decided to jump in is what made it kind of get more traction today. I know. I'm so curious whether Us Weekly or people are going to follow through on this and actually put Charles on the cover. I feel like he hasn't been on the cover in a while. I mean, I feel like we're going to... I mean, depending on how PR savvy they want to go with this, I could almost see them doing some sort of like park photo op soon or something to try to prove to us that things are all good. But that's very like Paris Hilton style. I feel like that would be a lot... The palace doesn't really traffic in um, like, you know, someone drinking a smart water on the beach or something. But what great fan fiction. If we could just imagine mm-hmm. what Chris Jenner would do as kind of the branding manager for the palace, palace relations and the Markles. Meanwhile, speaking of Megan, um, as we always are, we got a kind of weird Megan story that I feel like after these events, God knows, you never know what they're going to talk to the assembled guests at any of these formal functions are. And you always get the strangest sort of uh, write-ups from people.com and Us Weekly and the other kind of outlets that have people there. So all of a sudden yesterday, a big story was Harry and Meghan's favorite Disney movies revealed because I guess a 10-year-old at this Well Child Awards uh, thing they went to on, I guess it was Tuesday night, a 10-year-old who was there asked them and Harry said he loved The Lion King. Does that track, Julie, for you? Um, which is also Prince George's favorite movie. So the the five-year-old and the 33-year-old have the same favorite Disney movie. And Megan said she'd always loved The Little Mermaid. Update your like vision board. Trivia notes. Accordingly. accordingly. Um, Okay, but this is where I'm hoping, I'm so hoping you've seen Moana. Have you seen Moana? I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen Moana. Have you? You haven't seen it. No, I haven't either. Because 
So during the Tuesday event, Harry revealed he liked Zootopia and Moana and shared one of his favorite parts of the latter film is, quote, when the chicken comes up and finds himself out at sea in a boat. And yesterday I was chatting with a friend about this little item who said that that is a bizarre, who had seen Moana and said that's no one's favorite part of Moana. That's a really, really weird, specific moment to call your favorite. So now I have to see Moana because I need to understand this moment about the chicken coming up and finding himself out at sea in a boat. This makes no sense, but I just, uh, I'm very excited for you to read this next line in the script. Harry Harry further impressed Chloe, the 10-year-old, when he shared a fun fact about the Lion King. You know who does the voice of Zazu, he asked? Rowan Atkinson, who plays Mr. Bean. Julia, do you think a 10-year-old is impressed by this? Do you think a 10-year-old knows who Mr. Bean is? No, this this sounds like something almost Charles would say. This doesn't yeah, seem like this a... Is, this is kind of shattering my kind of perception of how Harry would interact with a young child. Like, that, this is, that's, a not, that's not a cool fact to bring up. This isn't a know-your-audience moment. <laughs> you know who does the voice of Zazu. That's going to be my new, like, party kind of conversation starter i didn't you know maybe it's a good question um and then this is another one where i feel like julie we're gonna have to start like a movie club or something so then megan recommended another favorite animated flick of hers the 2016 dreamworks film leap though she referred to it as ballerina which is the french title of the film which is so megan to me that of course she had to like somehow use the french version of the title because what, I guess maybe in Canada when she was filming Suits, she must have seen it in French, maybe. And then I'm curious what you make of this detail. She added, by the way, this 10-year-old got better quotes from Harry and Meghan than anyone <laughs> has gotten up until this point. Uh, Harry likes, we're still talking about Leap here. Harry likes it because the main character has got red hair. Um, Interesting. So I guess... It's a, it's not an identification, or maybe it is an identification thing. So maybe it's like where you see a redhead on screen kind of thing, but it's an animated film. Right. What was the one where? Oh, um, um, Brave. Yes, Brave. I mean, if you I'm, were Chloe, hopefully Chloe followed up with that. Yeah, with Chloe that should have done a like a Netflix. <laughs> like, if you've seen this movie, you like this movie for them or something. Also, so do you make that? I mean, what they're 33 and 37, Harry and Meghan, right? Like, right. I feel like it's very unusual for two 30-year-olds with no kids to be this well-versed in animated films, maybe. Or maybe I'm very not well-versed in animated films. Right, I know. Maybe their press person had given them notes on a few recent titles in the car ride Because I feel over. like these are some, a few obscure... I mean, Moana isn't, I guess, but Ballerina, Leap... Lion King isn't either. I don't know. Maybe this is a normal amount to be familiar. And I guess Prince George, maybe when they're over with their nieces and nephews. Right. True, true. It does seem very interesting. I feel like Megan could have given a Disney title with an actual princess. Did she not? I don't know. Well, that's also interesting, too, because Little Mermaid... Oh, no, I guess... Does she become a... I don't... God, what's the end of Little Mermaid? Does she become a princess? I don't know. See, I feel like Megan chose this answer because it fits with her message about women having voices. I don't know. I feel like it fits. Yes. She's trying to layer in some sort of social statement in her conversation. And with Ariel Chloe. has red hair too. So maybe Ariel that was like a sly hair. little, you know, kind of when you kind of try to, you know, 
your your tastes become different depending on who you're dating kind of thing. Maybe she's kind of drawn now to stories involving red haired protagonists. God, yeah. if uh, th- this is like the m- most intense breakdown anyone's ever done related to Disney <laughs> movies that people are like tossing off. There's a lot here though. Um, cause I feel There's like this, whole, this chicken detail, the Zazu thing, Megan's the favorite, movie, the leap movie that no one really knows about. Um, if anyone has seen these movies and has further insight into what they might mean, especially related to Harry's favorite moment in Moana, I'd love to hear about nice. that. I know this is like the greatest PR push Rowan Atkinson has gotten in a while. <laughs> I feel like Rowan's rep should be sending out interview requests now or a something. A case like of ca- wine. Capitalizing on this moment. Uh, do you also, also, I guess we should note though, I feel like we haven't focused as much on the fashion of, or Megan hasn't made that many appearances recently, but Megan wore another quote unquote menswear inspired look to this awards. Julie, what did you make of her? It was a Joseph Altazaro's suit. She loves her menswear inspired looks. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I love it. I like, it's just something different, something you're not going to get with Kate. I appreciate it. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I think it's interesting that Harry doesn't match. Like, I feel as though he's consciously not matching, if that makes sense. Because, like, I feel as though she wore a black suit yesterday, so he wore a blue one. But I kind of want to see them match it up. Oh my gosh, like a Brad Pitt, Angelina yeah, Jolie like, red carpet moment with exactly. the sexy tuxes. Or like David Beckham, Victoria Beckham, I feel like might do something like that ever. Like I feel as though, I almost feel like they should play up the fact that she's wearing these kind of more masculine ensembles and, you know, really just match and play with it. I feel like That's he's so shying sad. away from the fact, you know. Send that to Jessica Mulroney. That is a sartorial tip maybe they need. All right, let's check in with one of our other favorites. Julie, what was Beyonce up to this week? It was her birthday on Tuesday. She turned 37. Um, Of course, Tina Knowles posted on Instagram. I love a good Tina Knowles social media post. And she did not disappoint. Um, Josh, I'll do a a little reading of this. It's already (laughs) your birthday where you are. Beyonce was in Italy parenthetical here so i guess she posted this ahead of time i love you reading this as <laughs> tina as tina speaking to beyonce on her birthday with the like second person happy birthday to the nicest owner of the most beautiful generous loving hearts ever exclamation point four times Brilliant, too. Always thinking, planning, analyzing, strategizing how you can make everything you touch better. On this day, and she's referring to this photo she took of an adorable four-month-old Beyonce. Mm. You were four months old, and I couldn't even control the excitement and pride and all-encompassing love I felt for you, my firstborn. I made a vow to love and cherish you every day for the rest of my life. Sometimes I can't believe out of all the incredible people in the world, I was chosen by God to be your mom. The day that you and your sister entered this world were the two best days of my life, hands down. It is a privilege to have carried you two in this body. Enjoy your B-Day. No one deserves it more. I love you, mom. So many emojis. Josh, is this everything you expected? 
It gets very, I mean, I feel like it keeps in classic Tina Instagram caption fashion and she keeps, it keeps building. Like you kind of feel like it's going to lose steam, but somehow she only ratchets it up. She's a poet. I think it's great. I mean, also it's very (laughs) visceral. It's a privilege to have carried you two in this body. In this body. I know. I like that she kind of brings the attention back to her a little bit with that. Um, I I also like the sort of way it feels so... um, I mean, this is what makes Tina's Instagram so great always, but like the stream of consciousness of it, like, uh, like brilliant too gets added on after. Like she doesn't <laughs> even edit the sentence. She just kind of adds on another thought and keeps running, you know? Right. Things are randomly capitalized. Like punctuation is optional <laughs> at best. I feel like in a hundred years, anthropologists are going to look at these Instagram posts and they're going to find some sort of hidden message about Ugh. the universe. It is funny too that with Beyonce, it's sort of as if everyone, I mean, God knows I do the same thing. Like with the, when I ate at the same brunch place, Solange had once eaten that. Like you, you put yourself in, it's all about how you can put your like seven degrees away from her kind of thing. Like, I feel like the fact that she's saying, like, I can't believe I was picked out to be your mom, you know? Like, usually right. it's, like, the other way around. But in this case, it's, like, Beyonce, so you're just so privileged to have been in any way connected to her. Um, I just feel like it. It's, something's funny about that wording. Um, also, well, yeah. I just realized Beyonce and Megan now the same age. Wow. Yeah. Another oh unifying That's... force in the world or something. Um, right. We also got some amazing photos of Beyonce and Jay-Z on Tuesday and how Mm. they celebrated. Uh, The Daily Mail had the photos. Beyonce, um, I'll just read the Daily Mail's captions because these captions, it's like someone is driving and dictating a message like to their iPhone and then Surrey has to Google translate it. Just everything is a few degrees off. The iconic pop star looked incredible as she went braless under a pink cord, showing off her natural curves. Her two-piece consisted of a pink crop top, which nodded at the front in a matching skirt with frill detail. Like, they only have these photos to go off of, so they describe it in such excruciating detail. I was about to say, there's something about, it's so, I mean, that's what's so good about Daily Mail captions always, but it's just such a literal... Oh, way, way overdone description of what she's wearing. It's like, we see the photo, you know? It's just so <laughs> funny to me that the captions just, it's like as if they're describing it to someone who can't see, you know? Right, right. In case, yes. Um, her long locks cascaded in curls down past her shoulders, and she wore matching pink sunglasses, drawing attention to her toned waist with a gold belly chain. God. I mean, for some of the outing, Beyonce wore a straw hat on her head in a chic way to make sure she didn't get too much sun. I do love, because the (laughs) captions are so literal and just detail-oriented, when they do add any sort of um, subjectivity, it's always so funny to me. Like, we don't really know that's why she was wearing the hat, but it's just funny to me when they add in a little bit of editorializing, like, to make sure she didn't get too much sun. Right. Um, I guess for dinner, Jay-Z took Beyonce to an exclusive restaurant called La Casita on Madalena Island. They were joined by a few friends and their children, but not their own kids. It's also kind of amazing seeing these photos of them getting off the boat because there's this entire yacht staff there and kids... 
our age, probably a little bit younger than us, I'd say. Josh, what do you think they were thinking? Did they realize that they were participating? They were celebrating Beyonce's birthday with Beyonce. I mean, how in the world do you, like, do you think they did some sort of, like, background checking of these people? Like, I mean, I guess they just didn't know. I assume that, like, they quickly realized what was going on, right? The other people? Right, I would imagine there's a background check to have, I guess, even be in a five-foot radius of Beyonce. What do we know about this location? I'm so glad you asked me because you know one of my favorite things is to look up Yelp and TripAdvisor reviews. Yes. So I I kind of just... I cannot wait to hear this. I just imagine Jay-Z kind of figuring out where to take Beyonce. And whatever his research entailed, he definitely did not come across this TripAdvisor review from Tobias, um, Uh, who visited Casita. I cannot wait to hear what Tobias had to say. Okay, the service. There was a lot of staff during our stay, because parenthetical again, this doubles as a resort. The Uh staff, they were all very nice, although a bit impersonal and conservative to my opinion. Okay, this must be through a translator. I guess I don't feel comfortable having a waiter standing a meter behind your table at all times during all our meals. So even though they offered good service, I would have preferred a bit more privacy from the staff. Interesting. The food, the food is okay. I live in Copenhagen myself and go out dining a lot, which means I guess I have pretty high standards. Now, I just love the idea of Tobias typing this out. Like, little did he know that Beyonce would be dining at the same. This food is only okay for Tobias at this place that Beyonce picked for her birthday where she could go to the moon if she wanted. Um, Per Tobias, the kitchen on Casita is nothing spectacular, nothing in all caps. The lunch and evening dinner is decent, but nothing that you couldn't cook yourself. My God. So why did Jay-Z pick this place for her? I don't know. Or Beyonce pick it for herself. I guess we don't know who picked it, but still. We'll never know. I know it's such a mystery, but can you imagine (laughs) chartering a boat? Taking Beyonce to some little resort on a tiny island and then I wonder just having if substandard. I wondered how, um, you know, how sometimes you look at, I'm sure Beyonce and Jay-Z do not do this, but like my brother does it. Like you'll go to a restaurant and he'll look up on Yelp to see what like the best things to order are because you look at the reviews people have left at a place. Like I wonder if somehow Beyonce was like, oh, I'll see what people are saying about this spot. And then she came across this review and was like, wait, where, where, why are we here? Um, <laughs> I also find it interesting he's complaining about kind of a really, really good service staff that's ready, ready for anything you might need. I feel like that's the number one annoyance if you were doing like the family feud style thing of what people like don't get annoyed about at restaurants. Kind of seems like no one can win with Tobias. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't like the food. It's nothing spectacular. Co- somehow we know he lives in Copenhagen. Anyway. Right. What, how did you celebrate Beyonce's birthday? I did not. I know. I, I feel I'm a letdown to something. I sent to a screening of a movie. What about you? Um, I, I watched half of Jerry Maguire. <laughs> uh, both, just both like Beyonce would have really, <laughs> We really did not. I should have like reposted a video or something, Tina style, from when I saw her in concert recently. That would have been really sweet next time. Um, and I would have loved if you could have done a full Tina-style caption. Like, yes. I'm so honored oh, to have God. 
All right. And Julie's off now to, this is sort of celebratory, to Toronto. Where, to the Toronto Film Festival. Where hopefully, if you do not, I mean, there'll be so many celebrities there regardless, but we're going to have to try to see if we can track down any Megan-related I don't really know what you could find. Oh, um, her dog, Bogart. Oh my gosh, I know. I need to just take a day, block a day off for yeah, Bogart. Yeah, Bogart searching. He's somewhere there in Toronto. Ugh, God knows. Right. I don't know how you'd find, how you'd know it was even him. But If anyone has any tips or recommendations of what to do in Toronto, things to see. Yeah, let us know. Let us know. All right. Well, I think that does it for this week's episode of In the Limelight. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, please remember to rate, review, check us out on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us to find new listeners. We really appreciate it. And now you can reach out to us and leave us a voicemail. That number's again, 347-790-0966. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter as well, at In the Limelight. You can also follow us individually. I'm at Julie W. Miller. And I'm at Jay Duboff. We also are on Instagram at In the Limelight Pod. This episode was edited and produced by Brett Fuchs. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. And until then, no, no bad, bad energy. energy.